Hello and welcome to episode two of Gebra. The good, the bad, <laughs> and the rugby. Gebra. Gebra. We're back again, boys. Can you believe it? Who would have thought? You yeah, know what's mate. even more surprising? Swoop. We still have we still have a sponsor. You're kidding. No, mate, I'm not joking. <laughs> Who's that? It's proudly brought to you by our good friends at Harvey Norman, a respectable family favourite and successful enterprise business who I, well, look, I can't believe they're back for a second week. And apparently- But we thank them. We thank them and huge spike in sales. With what? A with the first appliance? episode. With a particular appliance? Yeah. The rugs. Because you gave, <laughs> Drew, you gave the rugs a big It's a tremendous it? rug. Apparently on the North Shore, hundreds of rugs being sold. Yeah. Um, so hear that feedback? No, I, is that genuine? We're not taking the pit. <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't you get this? It's not genuine. <laughs> you thought because people want to fun. You got me back. with spikes. You know I was about prep. Oh you got God. me with some detail. I don't, I don't know. Mate, I'm did a, you not get that? I was like, did I miss out? Mate, there's that many emails during the week with you blokes. Like, I'm struggling to keep up, mate. So I may have thought I'd. Okay. I, there is not. There is not. A definite spike, but I'm going to say there is. So what is this if you are tuning in for the first time? It's basically three ex-wallabies and one current wannabe, and we sit and we drink beer and we shoot the shit. Is that right, boys? Yeah, I think I'd say you've summed up pretty shoot, well. Shooting shit, shitting it in. That's right. Uh, now, uh, if you're wondering, well, what, what, what is the actual podcast? We are the Antipodean franchise of what is the second biggest rugby union <laughs> podcast in the world, uh, it's the good, the bad, the rugby in the UK. And you think, oh, last week, Prof, you said they were the number one. You know who's number one now, boys? Stop it. <laughs> now, now, those of you that saw it, one would have noticed there was a third wallaby on the couch. And you're thinking, did I just hear the great the great Gitto do it? Yeah. So, boys, where is Gits? And, and, and is he tuning in? What is this? Well, look, he's got a lot of cash. Going from we what we were talking that. about last week. Yes. So he and his family and extended family, everyone shipped over to Hawaii, which you've just come back, from. back a day ago. <laughs> Giddy's back. He's over there just enjoying a bit of family time. Gits, come in. Are you there? Where are, where are you? Yeah, no, I've got the family over here. Uh, Mum, dad, uh, brother, brother-in-law, sister. We're over here in Hawaii. So, yeah, it's very good, but it's super exciting. I couldn't care less about Waikiki Beach. But apparently you're talking about we've now spiked the what are you saying the rug sales sweep? <laughs> yep. <laughs> rug sales through the roof. Um, I've got, that's, that, I'm, that's the key. Hey Gitz, you would not believe the numbers of rugs that Harvey Norman is selling. Oh, I love a rug. Have you got an official number on that? <laughs> Gitz, have you has there been a spike has there been a spike either in your drink or sales of drinks at the hotel you're staying at? Gitz, how many uh, Mai Tai's deep yeah. are you? Be honest. <laughs> No, I went to the Mai Tai bar. I've had too many. <laughs> <Don't agree. laughs> this is going to be a good one. This, this, good honesty. This is going to be a good one. Hey, hey, kids, can I give you one tip? I've just gotten back from Hawaii. Go to, there's yeah. a place called, it's the Sea Life Center on the North Shore, and they've got a yeah. thing called a wolfin. So what they've done up there, I don't know how they've done it, but they've <laughs> managed to mate a whale and a dolphin. Wow. Um, wow. And now it's a wolf and it's full on. It does tricks. Um, it's, it's the strength of a whale with the, um, with the dexterity of a dolphin. And it's, it's, you, you won't believe it. Get, mate, get up there and see it. Take the kids. They'll love it. <laughs> Did you take it home? <laughs> I would have loved to have. I would have loved to have. I, I don't know how they managed to get a whale 
and a dolphin to pork. I don't know. How would you? I don't know how that works off. How do you but, get a? But did you take it home? Yeah, you can take home gifts if you want. <laughs> You've got uh, enough cash. Uh, anyway, hey, oh. hey. Anyway, Prof. So the Wallabies. How'd they go on the weekend? <laughs> hey, Gitz, we are going to avoid that for as long as we can. We're going to pretend like it didn't happen. There's a lot of other stuff to get through. We will get into the Wallabies and the Springboks very soon. Um, and I've just been told by the production crew to say, drink responsibly. Um, I mean, they've just held up a sign here, Gitz. Um, so if you are watching at home, make sure you drink responsibly. Uh, now, feedback from the first episode, guys, I wanted to ask you, um, I was overwhelmed. I've worked on a few of these shows and the positive response was, was absolutely amazing. Um, there was hundreds of comments. Um, and if you did send in positive feedback, I just did want to thank you. Did you see how many people were saying they need a predictions segment? Yeah. Like they weren't happy that we weren't predicting what was going to happen on the weekend. Well, that's because we filmed it two weeks ago. <laughs> Don't let them in on the secrets. Hey, Gitz, I did notice, though, that on your social media, you jumped out and said Wallabies by eight. Did you cop yep. it on there, mate? Uh, I think I uh, I got that wrong. So the, um, the overall response was that, but that's the beauty. Like, I love that. Like, I love the fact that... Um, the beauty of social media is you can say what you think, and that is honestly what I thought. I thought with Eddie Jones, um, after sitting with him, did the interview, he thought Drew wasn't actually fit for the team. I thought that was a pretty good gauger, um, <laughs> that the team would do well. Um, but, yeah, it's it's like – so as Eddie said, like Eddie was like, you don't need to be a smart-ass, mate, when he ripped into the, the social – whoever it was, the interviewer. But it was like, they're very good winners. So for me, South Africa won. They outplayed us. They did very well. But the end goal for me is the World Cup. So you may win the rugby championship, which we did in 2015 when we played, me, Swoop and Drew. But we lost the World Cup in 2015. So to win a world, to win the rugby championships in 2015 actually doesn't mean a great deal when, when your end goal is the World Cup. So... I think Eddie is going to have his end goal intact. He's going to know how he wants to play. The way he played against South Africa just last weekend isn't actually how he wants to play, but it's it's like a gauge. It's a building thing that he wants to do on. So, um, yeah, it, for, for me, while I copped a lot of abuse from that, I think Australian rugby is going to build and they'll build and they'll yeah. build like because Eddie will have the, the World Cup as his end goal. Well, the true victory for Australia in South Africa was the fact that we were and are the number one podcast in South Africa. Well, are we as well? Yeah. So let me read you these gets. Let me read you these countries where we went to number one during the week. We went to number one here in Australia. That's also that's rugby league and rugby union wow. in an Origin week. So we were number one there. The United Kingdom, the UK, we were number one. New Zealand, Canada, Spain, Ireland, USA, Holland, Italy, South Africa. And Antarctica. Shut we were Antarctica. Antarctica. Steve and Jace, they loved it down there. So <laughs> we're number one in all of those places and huge spikes in Harvey Norman sales in all of those places. Rugs. Um, yeah, I mean, look, thanks for listening. Like, yeah. I, I remember texting the, the group chat the night before going, boys, I'm pretty nervous. Like, 
how it's mm. going to be received and you know all that so to, it, it has been quite overwhelming with all the comments and on the different platforms and uh and i guess all the all the all the listening or tuning in like it it, it really surprised me to be fair yeah i, I mean get this that's even better we were the number one sports podcast in australia wow on spotify so that's in a week when the ashes were doing its thing so you had all the, the cricket podcasts and then origin week again in rugby league a rugby union podcast at the top which i don't think that's ever happened before so you should the three of you should all give yourself a well, round of and applause. no you're, you're also oh, i'm yeah. a facilitator i don't no, know you, you've made we're going to initiate oh god good, the quadruple but um but that also oh, i hear that and look it's fantastic it also shows there's only one way we can go. Yeah, down. Um, yeah. Not with, this, not, I, not with Gits coming in. Yeah. Hot you guys <laughs> mind that I'm actually not there in uh, in person, but I'd love to say something. Most of my feedback was that you guys are doing great. It's good we show that rugby, um, you know, you're not the leather patches, you're not the suits, you're not the typical image in Australian rugby that you're supposed to be, but Adam Ashley Cooper, Cooper, we want to hear more from. So, Swoopy, have you got a joke? <laughs> well, mate, now that you've given me the opportunity to chat, I will say something. Yes, I agree with the boys. We're doing really well, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, like we've absolutely got not. Another five, well, another four to go post this one. Right, six pilot series to see if we're good enough to continue on the journey. Mm. Now, um, one segment, boys, that really caught the imagination of the nation yeah. um, was, Drew, when you mentioned that you were a single man, and we were joking about uh, going on a date with Drew. Now, yeah, we actually, it's a joke though, right? Well, not according to this lady. So we did actually get DM'd on Bullshit. Instagram. Let me read it to you. Dear no. Good Bad Rugby Australia, my name is Darcy and I watched your first podcast episode and I have to say it was a great show. I know you guys were joking about Drew going on a date with the listeners, but I think it's a great idea. I live in Sydney and we've always had a little thing for Drew. We've, it's turned into multiple. <laughs> Might be her and her sister, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Could pick up. Um, would love to go out with him sometime if he would like to. I've attached a picture, which I've got here. If he has no cash, I'm happy to pay. Winking face emoji. I think that was because last week you said you'd done your nut yeah. on all your cash. <laughs> um, he, I'll just show you this. Well, I don't think oh, you can show you up the camera. While we're getting recorded. No, here. Just have a... And it's a stitch. It's just have this... No, it's a stitch. No, it's genuine. So don't show her on camera. But if you would like to go on a date with Darcy, I can line it up. Would you like to... I. I don't feel comfortable being in this position. <laughs> I actually I actually said to you guys before we started, I'm riddled with anxiety today. Okay. And this is helping. <laughs> okay. So that's... I'm gonna but Dar Darcy, the, thank you. Um, and I appreciate um, the feedback. Um, but I'm not doing this on air. So that sounds like a yes to me. <laughs> so that, that's oh, not I, something you're willing to pursue for the group. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> So the Wallabies. <laughs> Could have been episode three. Episode three. So what we'll do is we'll line it up between now and next ep. Uh, yep. We'll get, say, four to eight cameras to come and film you. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> it'll become a real thing that people follow. Have they ever asked you to do The Bachelor, Drew? Um, I've, I've had inquiries. From two different seasons. And? Anyway, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, right, and, so. and, and, and. And well, I'm, I've, you've not seen me on there, Git, so you don't, must know my answer. <laughs> well, this really sucked the air out of this room, didn't I? Um, <laughs> look, people are thinking they're avoiding talking about the Wallabies. Uh, we're not. We're not. Obviously, uh, Gits has already spoken about it. Yep. Um, and look, uh, we, we want to be known as the show that does sort of forensic analysis that if people want to know the stats, you know, how many lineouts did we win? How did we go? 
at the breakdown, we want that to be this show. Am I right, boys? <laughs> so I've done zero prep. You didn't look at it. So I've done a lot of prep, and my summation is the spring box shit it in. Yes. Would that they, be? They did shit it in. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah they were. Look, around. it's tough. One o'clock, we all get up. Um, kick off one o five, filled with excitement and anticipation, and also belief in this in the squad and what Eddie Jones has brought. And then, you know, it started well. Um, good little build up play to Marika's try, and you know, like, okay, we're going right here. And then, pretty much from that point, the the Springboks just were scoring on any opportunity. Like they were just taking their opportunities, and it was a tough night. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to win over there when you don't have the ball to create any type of momentum. Play in the right areas of the field. We just didn't do that. We started well, yep. finished well, but in terms of giving that the, the Springboks that type of ascendancy, particularly through the midfield, basically on most carries, they just kind of dismatched it. Well, we didn't match them physically, and they just kind of bashed us over the game line, which is yep. what their game is absolutely built on. So one stat that did jump out was there's only five phases and 45 seconds in the South African 22. Which yeah. you can't really win. We, we lost. We, we lost the collision battle, and then off the back of that, Quay's getting slow ball, not moving forward, no momentum, and so straight away, then that means the kicking battle is even more difficult because you're not moving forward. Wingers aren't having to anticipate where they have to come up and maybe isolate the fullback. It's just it's it it lessens their opportunity to win that kick battle by losing the collision battle, and then off the back of that, when you don't have you're not winning that kicking battle. You're not having the territory and you're not playing in the right area. So it was it was a tough night for Quaid in particular because of that fact. They just the the ball carriers weren't dominating that area and weren't giving him an opportunity to play on front football. I also think Eddie's selection of Reese at twelve was more suited just because of the the elements and the and the conditions that you're playing in at Pretoria. He wanted a, a long range kicker, wanted a, a good long kicker out of the hand, but we just lacked a bit of punch in that midfield to get over the advantage line. So Quaidy was, you know, like collision battles were being lost up front, but also outside. So it was, it's a difficult um, position to be in. Gets, you, you, you can speak of this as a 10 to then win the kicking battle off the back of that. Yeah, but it's not even the kicking battle. So for me, if you've got a really strong carrier, say Samu Karevi, like for me, if Samu's there, you're going to sit 10, uh, 10 and 12 down. So you can play out the back and then then kick off the back of that or play Samu up, which means that if you're going to play a big ball-carrying guy, it's going to sit the defence, which means that 9, 10, 12, they're going to sit and there's more space at the back. So um, I think, yeah, I think selection-wise, obviously Samu, he did his hammy or quad uh, when he played for the Barbarians. That's had a massive impact. But as far as, like, Quaid's concerned, I think that he's the guy to take us forward. Like, he mm. knows that when if, – if you can get quick ball as a ball player, you can't make a bad decision. Really, realistically, like, if the ball's coming off the back of a ruck and it's quick, if you play flat, it's almost like rugby league. You can't make a, a bad decision. But if you're dominated up front, then it's obviously a bit tougher. So I think if um, – if Quaid is to continue to go forward, which he obviously is going to be the same, obviously it's going to be Quaid or or uh, Bernard Foley, um, that you just need to get more dominant carries on that first phase. And if you can get that, then off the back of that, Quaid's going to make the right decisions and then Australian rugby's going to be a lot better for it. Now, let me ask you three. You've played for the Wallabies <clears throat> for a long time and you've been there when there has been a change in coaching staff. Yep. 
Is that what it looked like to you, that that team has just had a new boss? And when that does happen, how much upheaval is there? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, because they spent a lot of time going into this first test. So they had prep. I mean, you're coming from respective programs, different franchises and different styles of attack, but you have enough time, I think, before the first match to kind of somewhat develop a really good relationship or partnership with the guys inside, outside you. I think it was just a matter of kind of getting over there and being shell-shocked by the physicality. Um, I mean, it was evident, like, <clears throat> I mean, there was a couple of good, I mean, for me, it was at the defensive collision. We just allowed them to get over the advantage line. I think five minutes up there, you know what it's like, Drew, at altitude, full house of just vocal Springbok supporters struggling to get in the air. These guys are just coming in waves, big men. And it's like, I just think they got caught up in that. Yeah, I, I think it's like Space Jam. Like you play, like it was like the Wallabies playing against the Monsters. Yeah. Like it, it's <laughs> like that, right? Like they're just yeah. so big. Yeah. But I think what was surprising about the the physicality of of the Springboks, but also. Uh, but I disagree with you. Sorry, <laughs> like no, but like so, like we would play there, and you know that they're going to be big bodies. Yeah, I just so want to bring in the Space Jam analogy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you love that movie, but it has no relation to what we're talking about. <laughs> but the. If you're playing big bodies, you know what it's like. Like, you don't think, oh, my God, these guys are so big, we can't move them. You're like, okay, let's find a way to beat the guys that we're playing against. So you would bring in, um, for, for me, I would think first phase we've got to be really dominant. So that relies on the forwards. If the first phase is dominant, you can really, like, attack as a second phase. It's almost like your second phase is your first phase how you want to attack their backs. You know that as a number eight, he's going to get off the scrum or he's going to get off the line out. They're going to compete um, early in the line out and then at the back of the line out, our number eight's going to get off and he's going to attack their number 10. Okay, sweet. Their number 10's gone, so we've got 12, 13, open winger, and we can attack with our full line out. It's how we would think, like with Swoop or Drew, like, this is, like, without getting too analytical, this is actually how we would think. We're like, okay, the 10's gone. Okay, sweet, we're going to attack them with this, 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 and that's how we would go. So I think for Australian rugby to be, and I know South Africa, we're not going to play them for a while now, but against Argentina, if we can get super dominant in that first phase, second phase, we can really almost predict how we're going to play. So you get the line, Quaid knows it's five against four. He's going to pick the right man often, more often than not. So it's almost like if we can get that first phase right, the second phase is almost like our first phase. I don't know if you boys agree or I've had too many Mai Tais or that's that's almost like in my mind how I see where we went wrong in that first phase against South Africa. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, off the back of a strong carry, then you can, uh, you know, you can pick and choose what you do, but we just weren't getting those enough on on Saturday night. Yeah, I was more coming from the defensive perspective, like is in terms of just stopping the collisions. You mm. know, they were in really good position, just allowing the, the spring box to get over the advantage line a little bit too frequently. From a defensive point of view, you were saying that the Australian rugby our attack was very predictable. Is that what you're saying, Swoop? No, I'm not saying our attack was predictable. I'm saying our defense the we lost the collision the battle the defensive battle you know allowing the big bodies to get over the advantage line and fall forward fall forward play you know front foot springbok football um they just had a lot of ascendancy we just kind of we didn't prevent that we didn't stop that 
So moving forward against uh, Argentina, you would say obviously the first phase collision is crucial, but then uh, like how else do you win the collision? Like as in you could make a really good tackle. On like for me, I love listening to you swoop on defense because I've never been a great defender. Like like it's just I'm a tiny body, so I really love hearing from your voice. So, okay, we make a really good tackle. What's the next thing that we need to do? I think tactically, I think when they'll go into the Argentina test, they'll work harder off the ground to get in position earlier, therefore kind of creating a more of a two-man tackle. Um, I mean, there's no doubt they'll have a really honest review of that game and defend, they'll have a big defensive focus this week and they'll come out much better next weekend. But, you know, there's no doubt they'll come out. They'll be a lot stronger in that area because as, as they would review, you know, if you don't stop, that if you don't meet the tackle, I mean, I meet the attacker and, you know, don't uh, stop him from getting over the advantage line. It just goes a long way to allowing your defense to consistently set, get off the line and put pressure on. This is great. This is, <laughs> this is really good. No, I'm not, you, honestly, it's, I love it. I'm, it's like I'm sitting in the locker room watching you guys discuss. This is Maybe fantastic. the Barbarians locker room with Gibbs on the mic Seriously, in, 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 a, in, a, in a test week, like as Swoopy's like a defensive coordinator and me like attacking wise, I'll be like Swoop because I don't understand defense. So I'm like Swoop, what do you think? And he'll say something like that. I'm like, okay, I don't understand it, but he'll explain it, and then we'll start to understand. And then from a team point of view, after Swoop explains it, everyone understands what they got to do. So it's really good. It's very very Swoop. interesting. Good very communicator. Interesting. It is. Yeah. Um, so guys, obviously week one, you came out of the blocks with your first guest, Eddie Jones, yep. star. Now. You have backed it up with another A-lister. Now, let me say this for everybody who's listening and watching. We did book this bloke last week. Yeah. Before the weekend's result. Yeah, um, that wasn't smart. No. Yeah. We might think that differently going forward. Yeah. Um, so let me do a little intro here, if you don't mind, guys. We've done a bit of research here. Um, listen to these credentials. Our guest today played 124 tests for the Springboks, scoring 67 tries. He won the World Cup in 2007, the same year being named the IRB Player of the Year. He won the Tri-Nation Series, British and, Lions, British and Irish Lions Series, Super Rugby titles twice, and a top 14 title with Toulon. Needless to say... Um, we're pretty sure that he is arguably one of the best wingers of all time in world rugby. Am I right? No doubt. You are right. Brian Habana, are you there? Habzi. Hello, Prof. I am here. How are you going? Very, very well. Thanks, Where, mate. where is Brian? He's in the kitchen. That's how the French learn Brian English. Is in the, the book, kitchen. isn't it, Habzi? Where is Brian? Brian is in the kitchen. Yes, I'm so proud of you, Viv. You've actually remembered something okay. from your time in France. Recite it back but in French. that it's not French. Yeah, well, that's that one thing French, I do remember but... from France, but yeah, it's just not the right language. But can you say it in French? Uh, no, corn. No. Anyway. Brian. It's a beautiful language. Brian is yes. <laughs> now, Habs, let me ask you first. You don't even have to ask. I'm extremely happy. Um, <laughs> South Africa three and three and this weekend, oh. so we'll take it. Oh, but it was obviously a you. You were lucky to get away with it. Australia up five nil. Um, the whole of the country was probably a bit nervous, were they, Brian? No, not in, not even the slightest nervous in any way. What, what do you think of the um, the chat before the game, calling them the the B team? I, I was absolutely loving the chat after the game when Eddie was asked about his B team comment and absolutely <laughs> ripped into the South African journalist, <laughs> mate, mate. Why are you so arrogant, mate? Yeah, no, don't I'm be a smart ass, mate. Forgot. 
Don't be a smart ass, mate. <laughs> hey, Brian, have you yeah. ever been part of a Springboks team that's been sent to New Zealand or somewhere else early and this kind of B team chat, you know, starts no. happening? No. No, so we, 2007, we actually got kept behind. Um, so there was a team that went to Oz and uh, New Zealand ahead of the, the World Cup, but we'd obviously lost against you boys in Durban um, and then got a bit of a thumping against the ABs uh, in, in Victoria, I think. And then Jake sent a B squad over to New Zealand and, and Australia. So it worked out for us from a rugby World Cup perspective. Uh, but for the team, the A team that played in South Africa, we actually didn't prepare getting beaten so by both the, Australia um, and New Zealand. Habsy, what's the, what's the mindset in the World Cup year? Um, what's your mindset around the rugby championship? Do you believe, like, are they... Yeah. As in, like, it, it's a big thing. When you play for your country, you want to win and you want to win well. But, like, is it the end goal? Like, what is the end goal, say, 2007? You won the World Cup. What was it? What was it that you were actually aiming for other than the World Cup? So, I think the, the end goal is the World Cup and preparation for that in mind. Um, and I think, you know, from a coaching perspective, being able to know what group of players, you know, are going to define your World Cup preparation. And I think Rassi and Jacques are, are really extremely technically thorough when it comes to preparation for each and every game. And this process they've gone through and sort of taking guys ahead of, you know, the week in Australia or New Zealand um, is extremely important. It worked in 2018, you know, when the Springboks, you know, beat New Zealand in Wellington for the very first time. And then 2019 followed that up with a draw. So I think from a preparation perspective, you know, as a player, potentially if you're on the fringe, you know, it's important to sort of put your, your hand up to say you can play for your country because, Nothing against what Australia did on the weekend, but you know, all of a sudden your second best 23 have now beaten Australia's best 23. And I think from a mental mindset perspective, you know, that now puts a lot of doubt in Eddie and the Australian team's mind where you know we know we can still boost the artillery. So I'm absolutely loving the mind games that Rusty and Jock have put to place. I think it makes a scope for those going to the World Cup, you know, in terms of competition for places even more challenging, which is a a brilliant place to be in as you know as a team and as a player particularly you were saying that it was the second best 23 no yeah no it was a combination of our first and second stringers to be honest so i mean nothing against duane but you know, going into this test match even though he was captain duane probably wasn't the incumbent in the number eight springbok jersey um you know you, had, you got someone like uh vita that was playing absolutely brilliantly for let's play so of the guys in australia um in new zealand at the moment i reckon at least Seven to eight of them will be in the starting 15 going into Rugby World Cup, which, in my opinion, is the fact. Habsy, you just spoke about the weekend's game, Springboks Wallabies. Like, wh why do you think, or where do you think the uh, Springboks were so dominant and how they end up blowing our Aussie Wallaby team apart? So, Rich, I think, you know, the last two encounters against the Wallabies, and I was really nervous going into this game, I think firstly because of Eddie's capability as a coach and to turn things around as quick as possible. But where Australia really dominated us in the previous two contests were the ability to dominate the contact situation and get a lot of their offloading game going. And that obviously, you know, caused a lot of momentum. I do think, and this is just my personal opinion, South African teams not playing in, in Super Rugby has had an impact on... Many Australian players not understanding what physicality they face, and even though they, you know, they do come up against some very high-quality, physically competitive New Zealand teams, I think that ongoing process of playing against the African teams in Super Rugby 
has had an impact on psyche and the ability to prepare mentally, which, in my opinion, this past weekend, the Wallabies got found wanting from a, from a physicality perspective for the full 80. You know, there were moments in that game where they where they were really able to match the Springboks physically, but they weren't able to maintain it for the full 80. And you know, that's where the Springboks got dominance. This is where we got a couple of issues here, Prof. I put my hand up. <laughs> You did. Uh, you didn't see it. The fact that I was in Hawaii doesn't really make a difference. No, I, your hands are out of frame, Gits. We can't see your hands. There they are. There they are. So, Gits, your hand is Hand up. up. No, you are next. Yeah. Hand up, Brian. Brian, I'm coming in. Um, the fact that they're playing in a totally different competition, like for me that's something totally, like that is totally like, out of the realms. Like we would always play super rugby where we'd play for people from New Zealand, South Africa, obviously people from Australia. But the fact that they're now not in the competition, you see that as a positive for South African rugby? I agree. I think that for me, preparing for an opposition that you don't know, it seems like an end of season tour where you go to after we played South Africa and New Zealand, you've then got to play you know, say Ireland, Scotland, Wales, whatever, and you've not really been following how they play in a club sense. Do you see that as a positive for South Africa or a negative for South Africa? Do you think that Australia and New Zealand are possibly missing out because they don't come across the South Africans as much? So, good. I think, you know, we were pretty fortunate to play in a, in a Champions Cup competition. And in my opinion, Champion Challenge Cup rugby at the moment is probably the premier global com- club competition happening in, in the game of rugby. And I think the South African teams having the opportunity to play against, you know, the teams from Ireland, France, England, both in the URC and Champions Cup has definitely benefited the, the South African teams. We've obviously got a lot of players dispersed around the world, which, you know, makes for a little bit of a hurdle in terms of bringing people together from a consistency perspective. But I think not having South African teams playing super rugby is of less benefit to the Australian and New Zealand teams then what the benefit is for South Africa to be playing in, in my opinion, the best club competition in the world at the moment. Now, Habsy, this um, show is called The Good, The Bad and The Rugby. Uh, so I thought what we would do yeah. from that weekend's game, we'd first of all, each of us, we'd pick what the good was. So do you want to go first, Habsy? What was the good from that game? Uh, 43-12. Perfect. <laughs> um, the bad, who wants to jump in there? Swoop? Well, 43-12. Perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and the rugby, anybody gets? Listen, I'd love to come in here. I think Eddie Jones' press conference, I thought there was no respect from the South Africans. <laughs> that was the rugby. So the rugby bit was the one bit where they weren't playing rugby. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Hey, let's look ahead here. Habs, you go out, obviously take on New Zealand next. Um, do you think yeah. you'll put them to the sword like you did the Aussies? Seeing what New Zealand did to Argentina in Mendoza, this this weekend's game is going to be an absolute cracker. I think um, the resurgence resurgence of that New Zealand side is going to be something that South Africa are going to be pretty keen to match toe-to-toe. Um, the draw last year, the win pre- in the year previously, means that South Africa are going to go in with a lot of confidence. Um, it's always a, a lottery you know, when you do something like split the squad of how that happened in terms of preparation. But Rassi, we know, is probably the most technically astute coach that I've ever met, without a doubt. And the plan that he have in place, you know, seeing some of the social media pics of how the boys are training in NZ already. So I believe that we're going to see an athlete cracker, given what happened this past weekend. Probably the two teams vying for winning the rugby championship this year. So if the Springboks can match the 
All Blacks' speed of play, um, which at ha- times against Australia this weekend did happen. I think we had a rack speed of less than 1.2 seconds, which is something you know we haven't always seen from the Springbok team, which has been brilliant. So I think it's going to be probably the final of the rugby championship because you feel that the winner of this game you know, will go on to to win the rugby championship. Ab swoopy, mate. Um, over the years, the Springboks and the All Blacks have had some absolute crackers over the years, and you've been a yeah. part of a couple of winning Springbok teams against the ABs. Does the, the psyche or the mindset change uh, heading over there? And is it different to how you approach the Wallabies on the weekend? Uh, it definitely changes. I think for all of us playing international rugby for such a long period of time, the ABs were the most consistently successful team, and the challenge of measuring yourself up against the best was something that made you mentally raise your level another bar. Trying to go down to New Zealand and win a rugby game was something that not many of us got right through most of our career. So I think the, the psyche to, to now get on a plane, you know, travel the 20-odd hours to get to, to New Zealand, but then to face the biggest challenge in rugby. And you know, we saw how Ireland celebrated last year, you know, winning that series in New Zealand for the first time ever. And any team that goes over to New Zealand and can conquer them are left as heroes for the rest of their lives because not many have done that. So I think the Wallabies, it's always about being able to handle the chat um, on the field and the chirps. It was probably the worst out of the three of you in terms of chirps on the field, boys. Um, just putting that out there. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'll say that. It was, uh, yeah, I guess only had like three words and it was surrounded by a swear word. So there was an F word, F somewhere in between. Um, outside <laughs> of that, his vocabulary. Was, was very limited. Um, I kept it very but, um, simple no, mind so that you could understand. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, F yeah, you, Brian, shit. Oh, sorry. I swore. Line. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was often it was a bad line. Uh, Havzi, let's move forward even further to the World Cup this year in France. You, yeah. you won the World Cup, world champion in France in 2007. Like, what team do you think is best place? I mean, it seems pretty open, um, you know, a number of contenders, but who do you think is probably best yeah. place to go on and win it? Yeah, so, I mean, the one to, I think we all know one to four at the moment, unfortunately, means that two of the top four teams in world rugby get knocked out at a quarterfinal stage. So between Ireland, France, South Africa, New Zealand, that's probably not ideal, given when the draw was done. Uh, but if one looks at, I was just watching the the French under twenties demolish the the England under twenties this year, um, or yesterday in, in the under twenty rugby world cup, and and you do believe, you know, the French. I mean, it's theirs to lose, right? They're probably the most consistent French team anyone has ever seen in the last twenty years of of the game being professional. The yeah, as much as the Irish, I believe, will have an opportunity. I just think it's for the French to lose because you know if they if their consistency is anything to go by over this last 12 months, you know, the likes of Anton Dupont, Charles Olivon, um, you know, Thomas Ramos, you know, Damon Pernod, are just, uh, that's normal. And the success of La Rochelle as well as Toulouse, um, in you know, the regional competition up north. So obviously with my heart, you know, I'm really hoping that the South African team can go out there and, and do something special, become the first, you know, Springbok team to win back to back World Cups, but the pressure will be on New, on New Zealand, Ireland and South Africa to try to stop that French juggernaut, in my opinion. What's yeah. the mindset in South Africa? Do they believe? Because when you cruise around South Africa, you kind of get the sense that they're they're confident in the squad that they've got. What's your opinion for South yeah. Africa this World Cup as far as back-to-back World Cups? So, Gwede, I think, I mean, in, I was in the, in Ireland and Moffat end of last year where the Springboks lost both those games against the number one and two team in the world. 
I was exceptionally excited about the manner in which the Springboks started playing rugby. And we all know, you know, that sort of monotonous 10-man kicking game type of play. But we had opportunities in Ireland and in Marseille where the Springboks started running the ball out of their 22. And, you know, we've seen a build-on on that this past weekend where the kicking game played a really important part. But the op- option-taking of the likes of Amani Laboka, Billy LaRue, and Damon Willemse, you know, had the Springboks running the ball from, from their own half and really looking at what was in front of them before making a decision, which really excites me. The challenge of coming up against Ireland, Scotland, Tonga uh, in your group, you know, we've seen some of those names that are going to be putting their hands up for their Tongan squad. So getting out of your group's not going to be easy, but I think seeing the physical attributes that we laid out this past weekend, uh, the plans that Brock and Rassi have put into place, I'm extremely confident that the Springboks can do extremely well at this Rugby World Cup. And yeah, 2019, after losing that first game against New Zealand, Honestly, I probably had my doubts that we could go all the way. But knowing what happened in 2019 and seeing what I've seen over the last 12 months, you know, I'm really confident that the Springbok team has everything in its artillery to be able to go out there and dominate in France. But uh, as, a, uh, as a guy that's played for the Springboks and dominated, and you've yeah. won a World Cup, so you know what it takes to win a World Cup. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it's the 10-man rugby that... Previously, you've done where it's almost like mall drive, box kick. Yeah. I mean, you've chased the box kick and you've been phenomenal yeah. at it. And then, like, you can test you can test for that ball, you win the ball, and then you play off the back of that. Yeah. Do you think that's the way forward, the way rugby's going? Or do you think that the new tan that South Africa explained, like, that yeah. South Africa showed <laughs> on the weekend, is that the way yeah. forward? Do you... How do you see South Africa's best chances are for winning the World Cup? Yeah, great. So I think firstly, if you don't have a pack that can dominate, you know, you're not going to win any competition. So I think firstly, if I look at this uh, 16 or 20 forwards available for selection, I think the physically dominant opportunity for them to you know, put their best foot forward, you know, the likes of Arkes Neyman coming back, you know, John Klein making his debut was phenomenal this past weekend. So I think up front, you know, with that, front row that can literally have a bomb squad coming on and change the course of the game that we saw in 2019. So I think up front, we def- definitely have the pack and the skill set, you know, to physically dominate, but the ability to shift the point of contact. And I think the skill set of these players has really improved. And that's probably because we have so many players now playing in different regions across the world. Great. You know how fast the game is in Japan and how many, you know, how many times the forwards actually need to not be a ball carrier, but a ball player, which I think has improved, you know, skill sets, you know, the Peter steps, the toys of the world, playing some great rugby again. I think for me, Andre Pollard is still the incumbent number 10 and, you know, Andre's ability to take the ball flat, you know, get the likes of a, of a Damien Willemse, Lucanio Am, Cheslin, Makazoli in the game. But then we've got some really exciting, you know, backs at the moment. I look at Kirtley Orange, he scored 10 mm. tries in, the, in these eight yeah, games. Um, and so, oh, he's brilliant. So, I really do believe that the option taking in a World Cup, in my opinion, you're, you need to be at your best for at least five games. So there's maybe one or two games where you can you know, bring in second string players, but you need to be at your best for seven weeks, but for five big games. You know, normally two games in your pool and then three games on the bounce. And I think given the South African team's success in URC Champions Cup and their consistency to get to that level, um, you know, puts them in good stead for for rugby World Cup. Where you look at the likes of Ireland, you know, Lens have now lost in two in two finals um at at the last hurdle. They haven't beat Larishal in the last three seasons of, of Champions Cup. Um yes, Munster won the URC down in Cape Town, but I have to think the inc- the con- inconsistency at championship level hasn't been great. 
So I'm extremely excited, Goiti. I'm not gonna lie to you. I honestly do believe that the box are, you know, are able to to go out there and do well. Well, we don't, Brian, to be honest. Um, <laughs> we're hoping they don't do very well at all. Hey, uh, let's change tact here for a second. Now, obviously, I've just teamed up with these three guys, and you played a lot of international footy against these three gentlemen. I wanted to know, pre-match, yes. when you guys were prepping for these three, who were you <laughs> most nervous about, and who were you kind of ignoring? <laughs> I mean, surely Eddie already went through the good of the bad and the rugby. Um, listening to last week's podcast and Eddie no, talking Brian, about Drew. Brian, seriously, we, we don't want to hear what your sponsors want to hear. <laughs> we want to hear what you think. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll say, no, 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 no. Relax. Take it easy. Take it easy. Now, thanks for listening to Eddie last week, Goiti, um, talking about Drew Mitchell. Took me back to that Barbarians and oh. Jersey presentation with Drew and Nick Mallett. Oh, yeah. Um, Nick Mallett. Was like, <laughs> which he was like, where Nick was, Drew, you could have been the best fullback in the world if you could just fucking catch a high ball. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah. I'll never forget that first, that first high ball that Drew had to try field against the AV that tricking him straight through the box. No, no, you know what he said? He said to me when he handed my jersey, if you drop a high ball, you're off. And I'm out there. I'm like off four or five nights drinking, which is what you do in the Barbarians. <laughs> Stephen Donald put up this no, eyeball off his shin that was just moving around. And so <laughs> it actually... It, it was off his shin too. It, it bounced. No, I mean, it, it obviously wasn't off his shin, but it just felt like that because it was moving everywhere. But it actually bounced about three meters away from me. So technically I didn't drop it. But as soon as that happened... I just whipped my head back to the bench just to see if I was getting the hook. But I also remember that, that game, Habs, I think we're about 18 minutes into the game. I took an intercept and got run down by Luke McAllister and had to find you 80 metres out to run the length to score because I was just filled with lactate. Uh, lactate and a bad haircut, wasn't it, Drew? Well, the, the haircut gets gave me at about 4 o'clock in the morning just the night before the game. <laughs> and I was going up quite high. And I was like, no, that was good. However, I need to come into this. <laughs> so we got back after a big night at an iClub. And Drew, <laughs> and Drew was like, I don't think the girls really thought I was cute. So I said, oh, bro. I'll give you a mad cut. And we were we were so blind. <laughs> so I gave Drew I gave Drew a haircut. And in the lighting at that time, it looked like I'd faded it like mad. And then we got into the team room. Oh Brian, you could tell the rest. No, so so it was obviously at this um, at this team meeting where we all saw Drew's haircut for the very first time. <laughs> <laughs> Me included. And then, <laughs> uh, and then it was also so it was the haircut, and then Nick Mallett telling Drew that he could have been the best fullback in the world if he just caught a fucking. We're before. starting to get a bit of a theme here. <laughs> he could have, he could have it better. Like honestly, like Drew got his jersey and. Like, Everyone just burst out laughing in the room. Um, it was Except me, it was I was unbelievable. <laughs> Habsy, so we had an interview with Eddie Jones and he was saying that um, he said Drew potentially probably squandered his, his ability. <laughs> but he said, like, he potentially could have been one of the greatest wingers ever. As a player yeah. yourself, what did you think? Was, did he provide a lot more than... When you were previewing him, did you think that he he would give yeah. more than what you actually got? Yeah. So, Goy, I mean, I, you don't know, but myself, 
uh, Drew and Swoop actually played against each other in Scotland in 2004 in the Under-21 World Cup. Mm, and um, even even back then, you know, Swoop and Drew were two of the guys where you sort of had to know if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be at your best, you're gonna be sitting on your ass, you're gonna be found wanting. And then and for all of us, then go into that Super Rugby environment. Um, and you know, when either when it was for the War- Waratahs or or the Reds, whatever. Drew was one of those guys. I knew that he needed to dominate him in some way. Physically, he was able to do things that surprised me and nothing against your body shape, Viv. Um, <laughs> but you really were able to do something like you'd break contact in, like in the most incredible way. So it was knowing that you're coming up against the best and you, you know, you translated that to, you know, to the Wallabies as well. So I think there was a level of respect that, you know, if you're not going to prep as, as best possible, you're going to be found wanting. I mean, with all honesty, you're probably not going to prepare the same as when I had to face Wendell Saylor a few times in, in the first part of my career than, than you would against Drew. But that was just because he had a 30-kilogram weight advantage on me. But uh, I think looking at some of the tries that Drew did score over the course of his career, um, you know, he's up there with you know, myself and, and John Lerman with Julian Sevilla as one of the top prize scorers in, in world rugby. So um, I think it was great to have him on my side in Toulon. Um, and I think... If nothing against all the tries he scored, Rooster, but you know that try in the in the Champions Cup final in 2015 was of the best I've ever seen. Um, you know, and really put us on the front foot. So I had to prepare Goiti if asking. But just back to the question. So of all three of you, I think Goiti was probably the most irritating little shit. On, sorry, the most irritating little player on the field. <laughs> um, and we knew that we knew that if we couldn't contain you, and um, yeah, again, we knew that we could maybe try physically get over you but if we didn't contain you Australia or the Brumbies um, or the force I mean what's where where did you play everywhere in Australia I forget I mean where was the money again sorry I'm trying to think between <laughs> yeah. Brumbies you know what that seems like a pretty consistent theme wherever the money was but that actually wasn't true it was wherever the, with the opportunity it was so I had like Stephen Larkin uh, yeah. the Brumbies, so I went to the force I thought so. and we got the opportunity there I remember you lip, I remember lipping you up once um you tried to take me on the outside, but it was like two meters to go. Us, yeah. Exactly. Us. So it was like two meters to go, and I was like, "Surely this guy isn't going to take me on." And you took me on. And I felt like I was Usain Bolt. I was like, "Oh yeah, take that on again." <laughs> it was almost like the next phase again. No, no, no. no exactly. Exactly. on the outside. I think you had five f bombs. I think you had five f bombs and only used eight words. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's my father's education. Do it again. <laughs> Uh, now, Habs, we uh, on that on that topic of speed. Um, we're going to let you go. Yeah. You are running out of time. You've got an important meeting coming up, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've prepared a little, uh, just a little bit of trivia, a bit of fun for you guys. Okay. Uh, if cool. the four of you, if you're happy to play, Habs, it's um, it's all based around yeah, the fact that you cha- you raced a cheetah once. Is that right? That is right. I mean, it's, it's only, I mean, Prof, if you not watched it, I mean, there's two and a half million people have watched it on YouTube. I'd be disappointed if you haven't. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry about him. He's a rugby league guy. <laughs> We're converting uh, him. We're converting him. No, no, I've I've watched it. Um, it's, um, no, I haven't I seen so. it. Shit, you got me. Um, <laughs> hey, mate, uh, and who won? Sorry, keep me up to date. Who won? I did, obviously. Congratulations. You've not watched the, I mean, thank you. I'm going to watch it when I get home, mate. Lay off. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, Habs, let's think, this is all based on speed. All right. Okay, this cool. is, so currently yeah. we've got love speed. We've got <laughs> not that sort of speed. Gets it um, means Keanu Reeves. Is, <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Brian, we're going to start with you. Here's the first question to you. Yeah. What's quicker, a wallaby or a springbok? A springbok. That's right. Yeah, wallaby, forty-seven kilometers an hour. Springbok, eighty-eight kilometers Jesus. an hour. Double the speed, which 
kind of correlates to what happened on the weekend, right? That's what it looked like. <laughs> Swoop. Uh, Brian's record for the 100 metres was clocked at 10.4 seconds, which uh, that's Olympic speed. Um, now, I'm going to ask you at each, each of your four peaks when you're at the top of your games, who was the fastest in order to the slowest? Oof. Well, we could probably well we could probably put Brian at one. Yes, yeah. yeah. All right, so we've locked that in. Thanks, guys. And then it's definitely it. out of you and me, Drew. The second. We, no, yeah. let's put it to a vote. We we can't yeah. sit on the fence. We've got three votes here. Yeah, I'm hearing you, but I'm well for. So basically, Brian said me. I'm saying me. <laughs> Gets you're the deciding vote. I've not heard enough out of Swoop. Swoop second. There you go. So <laughs> I'll take it. Now the reason I ask this question because we've had a bit of a. Thought so the prof here. goes. The prof's deciding vote then. Yeah, I, well, oh, yeah. no, this is this is the whole reason behind this, Habs. We think you two should have a race. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Jeez. We're going to build this. We might, we might fly Habs out to be the, <laughs> to be the judge. Adjudicator. And I can't run anymore. <laughs> the problem is with Brian, he wants to go business. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can't do that, Brian. Sorry. It says mate. you yes. gets only turn <laughs> left. Only turn well, left. I want to turn left. Rich coming from you, Goody. Rich coming from you, Goody. So, what do you reckon, boys? Episode six, you sure. should race each other. Yeah, sure. There's Let's no, there's no way. Over what distance? Forty. Yeah, forty. Yeah. Short. No, 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 no. I reckon forty-eight. He's, he's very. Drew is very fast over forty. That's what he was renowned. It's like Booney. I'm forty to eighty. What do you want? Sixty-five. No, sixty. Let's it sounds 60. like a sixty to me. Yeah. Sixty. All right. All right. That's, that is a good tease for the last episode. Um, all right, Drew, there's the last one to you, and then we're going to let Habs go. Yep. As the single man, the averaging finishing <laughs> time for sex. Oh. Who, is, who goes Ooh. quicker <laughs> from start to ejaculation? <laughs> Australia or South Africa? Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm going to say... Generally speaking, Australians are lazier and lazier people find the most efficient way to do it. So I'm going to say Australians are quicker. Australia, <laughs> Habs, do you want to weigh in here? Who goes quicker? Australia or South Africa? No, I reckon South Africa. I mean, I'm not quite sure how we would actually time it, but I reckon the South Africans are pretty <laughs> slow in control, though. <laughs> slow in control. Okay. How do you time it? Seriously, Prof. How would you time this? I've made it. took me all weekend. I had to sneak into a bunch of different houses. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> Australia, five minutes, 40 seconds. South Africa, seven minutes, 10 seconds. There we go. Got it. So <laughs> I think, I don't know who wins. Do you want to be quicker? Or Who's your neighbours? <laughs> um, and for those of you playing along at home, um, Nigeria lead with 24 minutes to, <laughs> to get the job done. No, and, um, it surely can't be too India's, India's the no, quickest. <laughs> India's the quickest. India, 45 seconds for Indians. Jesus Christ. What are they? I wonder there's so many of them. Bloody hell. 1.3 billion. Um, all right. Hey, on that very cheery note, Habs, we're going to let you go. Thanks for tuning in, mate. Seriously, Brian, thank you very much. Yes, we'll, we'll be adding you all to the uh, hashtag Rugby World Cup 7. Rugby World Cup 2023. Still think we got it. WhatsApp group. Um, so see you boys in September. And Mate, why are we not already in this group? <laughs> you were also playing, Drew. I've retired six years ago, Brian. Awkward. Thanks, 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 Good to see you, mate. Very good. Legend. One of the great teammates of yours.
skits, Drew? Yeah, look, it was um, it was really special to be able to play uh, alongside a guy like Brian because, you know, like like we've just mentioned, we played against each other through the age groups, through our professional careers, and um, is always, you know, so hard to mark, you know, talk defensively. I mean, um, you know, he was someone that you just couldn't give too much opportunity. You had to try and get up in his face. And, uh, look, he was... He was a great player, obviously, but he was also just, he's just a really bloody good fella. Um, you know, he's just so, so positive. He, he does so much for, for, like, he puts others first. Like, he's just a, a really good dude. I don't have a bad word to say about Habs. And I'm really, um, really pleased that I got to have that rivalry playing against him, but then to get to know him off the field. Like, he's, he's a really good fella. That's the problem for me. It's like, for me, I think, like, Brian Abana. There'd be times when you'd show him the outside and he'd take the outside and he'd burn you. And you're like, okay, that's upsetting. But, like, you just expect him to be arrogant. And as Drew said, he um, he was the ultimate team man. It was almost like, okay, who's going to bring the sweets this weekend? And Brian's all, almost got him with a pack of sweets. He just, like... He goes out he of his the way. ultimate team man. Yeah, you, do you know what I mean? Like, he was just, like... You really wanted to hate Brian, like I like when I got to Toulon, uh, and so and uh, Brian signed. I was like, oh, "Why we sign this guy? All he could do is finish the try." <laughs> and I really wanted to hate him, but he's just such a great competitor. He was a great person, and he was more than a finisher. Like I mean, Coopy, uh, you played against him when you were at Bordeaux, but like. He was more than a finisher. Like yeah, he would he run good lines and that for me, that's an art in itself that? these days. Like the ability to finish. And he did it consistently over years. I remember I mean I didn't have a special relationship like these two blokes did, because uh, they got to play with Habs at um, at Toulon. But I mean I played against him for many years. Um, you know, we started against each other in the sevens back in two thousand and three, two thousand and four, twenties, well, which is 21s, now twenty yeah, twenty yeah, ones back then. Uh, and then he started his test career very early, I think maybe 2004, 2005, same year as you, Drew. And he was just he was just such a competitor for so many years, scoring a lot of tries. He was, he was unbelievable. He's, he truly was one of the best wingers of the game. And very good of him to give us his time yeah. today when he was very pressed for time. Now, guys, this is one of my favourite parts of the show. It's now time to give mid-show thanks to uh, the people that pay for us. Harvey oh, Norman. Yes. Harvey Norman, so big thanks. Um, to uh, friends of the show, Harvey Norman, great supporters of Aussie Rugby and the home of technology and the place to get your furniture, bedding and electrical appliances. They've got a great range, great value and great prices on TVs. So make sure you get down to Harvey Norman, grab a smart TV so you can stream this wonderful show <laughs> with uh, these three amazing ex-wallabies. Um, and um, also lots of beds. So if you were interested in that last segment to do with who <laughs> could finish the quickest, Harvey Norman guarantee you will finish quicker every time. That's what they <laughs> Asterisk, <laughs> if that's what you're after. Um, now, obviously, uh, we have spoken at length about the Wallabies going down to the Springboks, but there was another big game in the uh, rugby championship on the weekend. The Pumas took on the All Blacks. It was a very similar story um, with the All Blacks dominating yeah. over there in Mendoza. Any big takeaways from that one, boys? Oh, look, there's a lot of chat going into that game uh, with the squad and, the, and the, the, the starting team and the 23 that Ian Foster picked, but... I mean, the way they played in that first 40 minutes, I think they put that to bed. I mean, yes, New Zealand probably haven't been as dominant going into this World Cup as they have in previous World Cups, but they're a team that just find a way to kind of turn on at the right time. And, you know, it's, it's you know, like those, those signs that they were giving us on the weekend, just the way that McKenzie was strong in that number 10 position. 
Geordie Barrett was good at 12. I think Bowden Barrett was back to playing his best as well, which we probably hadn't seen too much or enough of in that Super Rugby season. So, um, yeah, just dominant from the All Blacks. They've just got so many different guys that can uh, threat the defensive line that it's just like, at the moment, looking at them, like for me, I've said for a long time, I thought was, uh, New Zealand were very, very dangerous, but like, they hadn't been winning. So other teams have beaten New Zealand, but mm. everyone's like, oh, New Zealand, they're beatable. But on the weekend, you could see that New Zealand, they're actually a really, like, a dominant force. And I think that they've got so many different um, ways that they can beat you offensively that it's, like, they're a hard team. Yeah, And absolutely. I've said this. But, well, for me, I thought that, so New Zealand rugby, okay, sweet, they can be beatable. But, like, being beatable and then beating them is a totally different beast. They're looking unbeatable. I mean, going to a World Cup, the most influential position is your 10, is your quarterback. You know, just that in terms of the leadership, the style of play, that voice out on the field, taking you through your prep during the week, it just it has a huge impact on the way the team performs in a World Cup. And you look at the All Blacks. And you might question their, their, their first selection on the weekend, which there was a lot of you know question marks yeah. around that. McKenzie at 10, when you've got Richie Moanga, who was probably in career best form mm. throughout the Super Rugby season, you know, steered the Crusaders to another premiership. And then you've got Bowden Barrett at the back who can play 10 too. So you've got three genuine world-class 10s going into a World Cup. Like yeah. that's, it's, uh, it's yeah, New Zealand rugby is the pinnacle of – like it's the pinnacle of world rugby – and they're the ones that we need to beat because, like, both sides of the ball, with or without the ball, they, um, they're, like, they're they're dangerous, except for, obviously, the captain. Like, when uh, a streak comes on the field, <laughs> that's... Uh, can we, can we yeah. talk about yeah, let's that? Talk like, about that. It's Sam Kane, right? Yeah, what... He's, he was built a career on defence. Like, this mm. guy's hard, can mm -hmm. tackle, tackle percentage through the roof. Amazing. You know, doesn't miss many. Mm. And he gets that one opportunity with a pitch invader because I've wanted this opportunity as a player for a long time. What Why would you have do? you wanted this opportunity, Swoop? <laughs> Mate, with a pitch invader, what would you do? Did you you know, like I think his... every player that's played the game or currently playing has thought about what would you do if a pitch invader came within your space? Well, let's talk some different techniques. So Sam Kane's gone, he's swept, swept the leg. Is that he's gone the karate? Yeah, he's kid. gone the chow. <laughs> he's given it one of these. Because I was thinking, let's spare a thought for old mate's shins. Yeah, it was solid. But also, contact. so then the other techniques you think you got the Andrew Simons, the Roy yeah. shoulder, shoulder charge, yeah. which he, he probably was in a position to do that. With no hands, no, no arms, I should say. No arms. Yes, no arms. And then the other one currently we're seeing is the Johnny Bairstow. Oh, the, just pick him up and carry him to the like fence. A, like a cardboard cutout. That yeah. guy stays stiff too. <laughs> which, so which one are you going for? If you oh, wanna... I'm certainly not going the karate kid. Yeah. Um, I think I like Roy. Yeah. Why, why are you not going the karate kick, Swift? Mate, I've got, I've got fucking rubbish ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I've got arthritis in my ankles, mate. What are you going, Gits? Are you doing a fly kick to the head? Exactly. I'm, I'm not a great defender. I feel like I'm. I was hoping Swoop would like do the karate chop, and then I'd grab like his upper thigh, <laughs> and it'd be like a, you know what I mean? <laughs> Where you get in real tight up until his hip. So Swoop trips him, and I'm like. You know what I mean? I, I knocked him over. If you are, yeah. if you're a pitch invader, I think players yeah. should have carte blanche to just yep. whatever you want. Mate, you absolutely. Judo chop. 
you can suplex. I think it's whatever, whatever you want. Now, oh, look, I'm not. Um, if Swoop folded someone, like properly folded someone, I wouldn't be too upset with that either. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if but if Drew if Drew folded someone, I'd say, mate. Where was that for the last 69 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, obviously the Thanks, you know I mean? like, We're paid to do a job. You know what I mean, Drew? I know what you mean. See, always back to pay. Always make the cash. Yes. Cash. cash is king. The cheddar. I get it. Hey, do we think that, that the All Blacks are going to smash them or is it going to be a tight contest? South African rugby, they should be confident. There's areas where they played super well. Australian rugby are still building under Eddie Jones, but we lost with Eddie Jones in 2003 by 43 or 40 points against the All Blacks, and then we beat the All Blacks in the semi-final. So there's always a bigger picture. So I think with Eddie Jones, you've got to be patient and you've got to show consistency. And I've seen so much stuff in social media where it's almost like, oh, Eddie Jones, he's done, he's finished. But for me, he's not finished. He's got so many tricks. He knows so much stuff. He's seen it all in world rugby. And whatever his end project is, that's what we've got to support. I mean, Drew, Swoop, yeah. Prof. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, now, you, you've spent the most time with Eddie um, over the years of your playing. His reaction in that press conference, which obviously has touched on it was just it was wonderful to watch um calling the south african journalist a smart ass what did you make of that mate i love it he's got this aura where you feel like you've never done enough so i've thrown like i remember i threw an amazing pass with uh scotty wisemantle and it was like three against it could have been five against three i've thrown like a cut pass and it was really flat high elbow everything was perfect and i threw it to the edge and we scored and they said, Get, how do you reckon that uh, that backs play went, mate? I said, Oh, it was pretty good. I said, Like, oh, we scored, but like, maybe I could have like just gone through the hands. And he was like, But you scored, mate. Everything was good, mate. But he's just like that guy. It's almost like if I went through the hands, Eddie'd be like, Why didn't you throw the cut pass, mate? <laughs> so it's like, but he just keeps you guessing, and as like a younger player or a senior player, you never feel comfortable. So you always, you always feel like you want more. Which I don't know. Just with Eddie, it feels like you always want to strive to be better, and you always want to strive to give more to the people. And yeah, it. Um, I don't know. I just think that he's got a bigger plan in place other than the World Cup. Well, the World Cup is his, like, goal, but the Rugby Championship isn't his World Cup. It's almost like, okay, I want to get these guys in this position. It could be Samu Karevi starting this week at 12 instead of Reese Hodge. Okay, I want to see how Samu Karevi plays. When the defence rushes, like, how he's going to find his rhythm, how he's going to engage these guys outside of him, it's almost like I just feel like Eddie's going to find... Uh, rhythm or yeah, he's got he's got to use these games as a as an opportunity exactly. to test exactly the combination right. exactly see how players right. yeah, step yeah. up now guys we are exactly. we are running out of time desperately here um let's do predictions yeah is what the people want yeah oh yeah they asked yeah for they it. asked for it yeah we so give, let's do we it give them what they asked for yeah um let's start with argentina versus australia who's gonna win swoop australia beautiful 
Drew? Yeah, I'm thinking the Wallabies bounce back. Gits? It's got to be Australia, but Swoop, why? People want to hear from you, Swoop. <laughs> <laughs> He's not happy with how much you're saying, Swoop. Mate, I'm, conscious of t- I'm conscious of time. You are. Why? Uh, because, you know, we're back on deck. You know, after the, the boys would be very disappointed. Very important you respond. You've only got another couple of games before they're heading to the World Cup. So this is... You know, it's, it's, it's an important one. Obviously, you know, the Argentinian team is coming off some travel as well. So um, we're playing at home and we're going to get a full house out there. What stadium? Parramatta. Uh, Parramatta. Bankwest. Yeah. Is Bankwest. It's still it's Bankwest. Bankwest yeah. Full house out there in front of an Aussie crowd. I, actually, I think it's Combank. <laughs> oh, is it? It's one of the big four. One of the banks. Westpac. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's go to the next game. Yeah. Let's go South Africa, New Zealand. Swoop. Oh, it's tight. South Africa. I'm going to go to New Zealand in this one. Gets? Uh, no, nah, I'm with Drew. I think New Zealand, everyone uh, everyone thought that New Zealand rugby is like dead because we, they can compete against them. But I think they're still the benchmark in world rugby. Yeah. All right, go to New Zealand. Obviously, Czech's back in Australia coaching the Argentinians. How do you think he'll go coaching here on home soil? Yeah, well, interestingly, when Czech was the assistant for Mario Ledesma, who used to be his assistant at the Wallabies, um, whenever the Argent- he was the assistant for the Argentinian team. And whenever Argentina played the Wallabies, Czech wouldn't wear the Argentinian kit out of respect for Australia. He just wouldn't sit there, like, you know, stand there during an anthem or something, wearing the Argentinian kit when he's playing against Australia. So I'm interested to see now that he's yeah. a head coach, whether he wears something uh, branded up. As, as, but that was just like, you know, that, that's, that's Czech, right? He just, he, you know, stands... Stands for a lot, and um, so, but I, I like that little little bit of detail that he wouldn't stand there. But also the in two fifteen, we played against Argentina potentially in the World Cup semi final, mm. and swoop, you punched the lights out of Mario Ledesma. <laughs> swoop, I do not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was in the pre camp. So, so Michael Checker said all um, coaching staff. He's like, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can punch us wherever, do whatever. And Swoop made a beeline for Mario to let I'm Ledesma. pretty sure it was you, Gets. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Someone's telling Fibs here. Really? Yeah, mate. <laughs> I'm sure you, you blind shot him in the ribs. Yeah. If it was a blind shot, it was me. I thought it was one-on-one and it was Swoop. The way I remember it, it was like Swoop and Mario went at, at in front of the boys. Is that not what happened? I honestly cannot remember. You're telling a story, Gets. <laughs> We'll look it up. We'll find out the facts. Well, hey, look, it is Argentina versus Australia on yep. the weekend, um, and we are super excited for that game. And you know what? It's come to the end of the show. Which what? Oh, you know what already? I like to do at the end of a show? No, yeah. no. Yeah, I know, Gits. I'm sorry, mate. Uh, I like to do a little bit of a quiz. It is the type of the rucking good trivia. I love this. Where you three take on each other. Oh, and yeah. um, each week we're going to have a little theme, a little topic. And today it's Argy Bargy. It's all about Argentina Okay. and the Pumas. Are you ready for this, Gits? Isn't Argentina Los Pumas the same thing? Yes, it, def- <laughs> it definitely is. And it's about that one thing about Argentina, Los Pumas. All right. Oh, wow. So what I want you to do here, boys, is um, I'm going uh, to ask each of you for the answer to each question. Uh, let's start with what is Argentina affectionately known as? Is it A, the land of gold, B, the land of beef, or C, the land of silver? Swoop. Beef. Yeah, beef. Beef. Gits. Oh, great question. Uh, silver. Correct. Gits, it is see the land really? of silver, oh, which wow. I believe Argentina directly um, <laughs> translates because it's, uh, Tommy, what is it? It's 
Argumentum. Argumentum. Is the uh, the periodic table for silver? So Argentina, that so that's why it's AG, AR, whatever it is on periodic table. Uh, what does Argentina have the world's largest population of? Is it A. Brahmin cattle, B. Magellanic penguins, or C. South American cowboys called guachos? Guachos, <laughs> guachos. <laughs> um, you've gone with beef twice now. Ooh, heavy on the beef. Or but penguins too rare to throw in there, so I'm going to go penguin. Penguins gets cattle. <laughs> Druza B. Yeah. The Magellanic Penguins. What a beautiful bird that wow, it is. Wow. Um, Argentina football great has a religion named after him called the Church of Maradona. This church has 120,000 members. This is real. And its own list of 10 commandments. Which of these is not a commandment in the Church of Maradona? Oh, is it wow. A, firstborn son to be named Diego? B, don't live estranged from reality and don't be useless? Or B, Snow at Christmas has two meanings. <laughs> wow. Which one of these, A, B, or C, is not one of the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. I'm going to go A, Diego. Yeah, you're well off. I'm going A with Drew. The answer is Snow, has, snow at Christmas has two meanings. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's on, not one pretty of the liberal over there. No, no, it's not one of the Wait. Ten Commandments. Oh. Not one oh. of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you never know. You don't, actually. You yeah. never, never know. All right. Um, I want a PC, by the way. You've each got one. Wait, Should wait, we do a tiebreak? Uh, here we go. In 2020, the Argentinian and Australian teams produced something out of the ordinary. What was it? A, 150-point combined total. B, five intercept tries. Or C, Two consecutive draws against each other. What year is this? This was in 2020. Swoop. Um, the five intercepts. C. C. Two consecutive draws. Gets. Yep. C. C. Well done, <laughs> Drew and Gets. Well, now Gets and I are on a tiebreaker. tiebreaker. All right, let's go one more. Um, in 2021, Argentinian rugby players skipped town on their day off in Queensland and headed to Byron Bay. This breached Queensland's COVID rules and they were punished. How many players missed the game against the Wallabies on the Gold Coast? Was it A3, B8, or C, just the captain? Gitz or Drew? Drew, you go first. I'll go eight. B. Gitz? I reckon just the captain. Just the captain. Congratulations, Drew. You are the winner. It was eight players. Ding, oh. ding, 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 ding. Sorry, Goy. You have to drink for that responsibly. Of course. <laughs> now boys that is the end of our show it's been a wonderful one um an excellent episode too thank, thank you all you. for coming and being a part of that gets in particular thanks for phoning in from hawaii good man yep you know mike from uh now on i'm going to be in australia from this is just a one-off oh <laughs> you, that's all right you mate you worked hard week one so you deserve a holiday all right i guess just all that's left to do guys is to give thanks to the yeah. great um powers that be that Give us the cash. It's Harvey Norman. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's another double header this weekend, entering round two of the rugby championship, starting with New Zealand versus South Africa. They kick off at five oh five pm uh, Eastern Standard Time at Mount Smart Stadium, followed by Australia versus Argentina, seven forty five pm kickoff at Combank Stadium. There you go, Combank boys. Both <laughs> games on Stan Sport on Saturday. Uh, the 15th of July. And for the very best of experience, guys, get yourself down to the home of technology. TVs, computers, mobile phones, gaming, audio. Uh, it's optimum viewing experience for all the upcoming matches. Give yourself a treat. You deserve it. Go to Harvey Norman. Yeah. yeah. But serious thanks to Harvey Norman. Wow. No, genuine thanks to Harvey Norman. Great lounge. Um, 
It's a wonderful lounge. Great, great roads. Rug. Great tables. Great All right, that was GBRA <laughs> episode two. We'll be back uh, next week, uh, hopefully celebrating an Aussie Wallaby win. Um, thank you and goodbye. Gee, bra. Gee, bra. Gee, bra.